Um, good morning, everyone. Um, if you had a tr uh, to choose team, a team member, if you had to choose a team member of your team, whether it's work or a sports thing, what qualities would you look for? What qualities would you look for? Um, I want some people to shout them out. Just give a brief. Any qualities you can think of? Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Reliability. Reliability. Loyalty. Loyalty. Skill, honesty, consistency, consistency. consistency. obedience, obedience. Sincerity. sincerity. Someone better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> right, there's lots of qualities we look for for people, you know, if we were asking people to join our team and things. Um, today, I'm going to continue um, a little bit with the series um, Andrew's been doing about Nehemiah. Um, when I, while I was considering this <clears throat> and what to do, I felt God uh, speak to me about some of the prophecies we have a ch as a church have had and how they actually <clears throat> relate to us now and in connection with Nehemiah. All right, so that's what I just felt God give me. Um, my aims... Um, is to show the similarities between the book of Nehemiah and what Beacon is doing now, um, to encourage us as individu individually, as a church, to be inspired, um, to desire to pray, note the word desire to pray, and see the effects of it in our lives, church and community, and thirdly, to encourage unity in the community. Bit of a word, that unity in the community, but um, that's what I looked at. Now, prophecy, for those who might not know, <clears throat> um, I've come across the word, is um, a word which means that God communicates to his people. And he sometimes can do this through visions, dreams, burdens, or words that he lays on people's hearts. Now, I felt whilst I was looking through these that God showed me... Um, sorry, I've just said that sentence. Um, that God was showing me that the similarities with Nehemiah but, and the walls, but to the, the Beacon Church, and it's growing and developing in this region, not just in Chertsey, where we're going to be posted, but in the whole region. So even if I say Chertsey, it means the whole, whole area, okay? Now, I know we've got a limited amount of time. We've got a lot of prophecies. So this is going to be a little bit of a whistle-stop. Um, we don't have an overhead, which is going to completely throw everything up in the, up the wall at the moment. Um, but um, I felt, to make it manageable, I would put things onto a, some slides and just quickly pick out some brief pieces to those slides, but it's not going to work at the moment. So what I'll do, I will not be disturbed by this. We'll jump a few pages. And um, what we do is, we'll jump a few pages, and what I'll do is I'm going to pick up, well, hopefully we can get back to those, because they are really important, but it might be God saying, just hang on a minute and wait. When we, when we looked, look at Nehemiah, right at the beginning in chapter one, um, I felt God was particularly highlighting the way Nehemiah prayed. At the end of Nehemiah, he made a tremendous Tremendous prayer, all right? A tremendous prayer. 
That's still not there. As we can see from the start, um, this is throwing me a little bit. He's calmed down. Stop it. Calm. Peace. Calm. Turn around. Start again. <laughs> um, now, Andrew, in his previous talks, um, which you can hear online if you haven't already heard them, um, speaks about how Nehemiah, Nehemiah knows God and that, and that he was loved by him. Um, this enabled him to be fearless and brave. We hear about his fearless and brave. And he also had an amazing love for the people in Jer Jerusalem and he, owned, and he owned their problem. He took their problem on board. Okay. Nehemiah became the solution with the help of God for their problem. All right. Could we be a solution to the people in this region? All right. Could we be a, 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 a solution? He didn't stop praying even after the king had granted him his requests. He continues to seek God for direction and for help. And he prays with an understanding of who God is, that is knowledge of what God has promised his people. And God gives him wisdom, discernment, and integrity as he works through the building. And he also used prayer as a weapon. He prayed ceaselessly. Did I say that? Yeah. He prayed ceaselessly through things, um, just as Jesus did. Jesus went away and he prayed about everything. And he always asked the further, Father first. Now, Jesus taught his disciples that prayer was the foundation of their activities. That was the main thing. And it was always for the gospel to advance. Now, if Nathan was to stand up and say, tonight we're going to have a prayer meeting, what's your reaction? I'll be honest. Be honest. I'll tell you mine first. Mine would be, I think, be a bit of a mixture. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm tired. Do I have to go out? Um, I can't cope with it. Other people seem to pray better than I do. Oh, I feel, I suppose I might go. I better not go. I better go. I better go because I'll only feel guilty if I don't go. All right, those are my reactions. What are yours? What are yours? Anybody willing to say what theirs is? I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Anybody willing to say what theirs is? You don't have to. I'll give you a few seconds. Put your hand up quick. Right, okay. Right, it could be because you're tired. It could be because you're boring. It's boring. It could be that the, there's a program on TV that you want to watch that you're really interested in. It could be that um, for the young people particularly, oh, that's all the old people. Oh, I don't want to go. Why should I go? It's the old people. They're not going to listen to us. You know, I'm embarrassed. I can't possibly do that. I can't get there. What's the point? Does it work? It didn't last time. Right? All those can be the reasons that we think. But if we actually think, they're only excuses really, aren't they? Right? They aren't excuses. We can get around those if we want to. Now, we need to know our identity comes through knowing the Father as sons and not servants. When we have this, we won't be doing things by human effort. All right? That prayer and things won't be by human effort. We have a relationship with him, which means we can come and talk with him about anything. I'm a great one for going to the coffee shops and having a cup of coffee with a friend and having a chat. Sometimes it can be a serious chat and we share things, we talk, talk to each other, we, we sort things out. 
And that's, that's what our relationship with Jesus is when we're praying, really. All right, we might not have the cup of coffee, but you could sit down with a cup of coffee and talk to God. But I'm, that's what it's like. And first, I want to really commend those people who do pray. I know there are some amazing prayer warriors in this church. Daphne, I know you're particularly one. I commend you on that. I thank you that you do really pray for us and things like that. I know there are, so well done. Um, Now, when I'm looking at prayer, I'm not going to talk to you about how you pray or why we pray, um, as I feel there's something else God wants to do for us today. Now, Phil Wilthew, who's one of the leaders of King's Arm at Bedford and one of the speakers that was at Catalyst, has a prophetic ministry. And during one of his conferences, I suppose it was about three months ago, he had a, he had a prophetic word which said, God waking his church up to pray. God waking his church up to pray. I don't know why he didn't have the ears in, but that's what he said. Um, just as, as Nehemiah sought God as he was doing God's work, God, God is asking us to pray. He's asking us to pray. Now, Kyla, I don't know if you can pick up on the, the uh, prophecy by Anne Wilson. Okay. Now, Anne Wilson had a prophecy. This is where the prophecy... Okay. All right. Well, if I start reading it, you might pick it up, okay? Um, The prophecy by Anne Wilson, I'm going to read to you. I want you really to listen to this because I think it's a very important word. Not that one. No, they're not those ones. I will want to pour out a spirit of prayer upon you as rain on a dry and thirsty land. Okay, is that it? But where will you be? Will you run out into the rain washing and drinking, soaking, knowing you're thirsty and, sorry, knowing your thirst and dryness, rejoicing in the refreshing, dancing and singing with joy? Will you come out with an umbrella, not sure that you really want to get wet, ready to return to the dryness you have become so used to? Will you stand in your door and doorway and watch, just watch, saying, This is not for me. What should I do? Should I send the rain? Would my spirit of prayer be welcome to you? Would you welcome the refreshing rain? How I long to pour out a spirit of prayer upon you, a spirit of grace and supplication that will bind you together in faith in a God who answers prayer. But where will you be? P.S. Bring your disappointment to me. Trust in my sovereignty. Allow for mystery, and I will pour out the rain. I'm just going to give you a few minutes just to let that just soak in. And I want you to think about what, what, what's my heart saying to me. I feel we need to, as a church, to respond to this. But it's not 
to condemn anyone, all right? And if you're from another church, it's great that you can have God pouring his spirit out on you as well. That's fantastic. So please don't feel excluded. Because this is a gift. He wants to give this church a gift. Now, I can ask Nathan to do this, or I can do this. Nathan, would you want to take this? or, or shall I, No, I'll take it. You stand by my side, so it's not coming straight from me, please. <laughs> um, I want everybody to stand. But, I mean, no, I want those people who would like to receive this as a gift, and we'll pray, we'll pray about this, to stand. Everybody else, close your eyes so there's no embarrassment. All right? If you feel that, yes, I really want this gift from God, this, this spirit of prayer that God wants to give this church, please stand. Because it's like God is offering us a weapon that we can use along with the Holy Spirit. Father God, I just really want to thank you for this word. Father, we want to bring this word to you now. We thank you that you have said these things about giving us this spirit of prayer. And Lord, we as a church desire to have that, Lord. The people standing desire to have that spirit, Lord God. And I ask your Holy Spirit would just come upon us now. Touch each and every one of us, Lord, who has this desire. Go deep within their hearts, Lord. Give them the love for the people that you have. Give them the things that they need to, to really speak to you, Lord, with openness and honesty and love. So in this prophecy, it demands a response, doesn't it? It's asking lots of questions. Uh, would my spirit of prayer be welcome to you? So why don't you respond in your, out loud in your heart and say, yes, Lord. I want to be welcome. The spirit of prayer, Lord, it, it will, it will, I'll receive it with open arms. It will not fall to the ground, but I will embrace this. Let your word come and have fruit in my life. So say that to yourselves, to, to God now. Individually respond. We do this corporately, but individually you need to respond by faith. The prophetic word comes and then we apply faith to it and action to it. And then we see the fruit from it. So raise your voices now. Say, yes, Lord, it's welcome. Lord, it's welcome in my life. I want to respond to this.
I thank you, Father, Lord. Just thank you, Father. We just ask, Father, you continue bestowing that upon us during this meeting, Lord, and, and giving that to us and through the week, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'd like to come in. Right, Kyla, I'm going right back to the beginning now, all right? <laughs> As I said right at the beginning, this is going to be a bit of a whistle-stop of some of the prophecies that we've had. Um, and on time as well. Right, and as I'm doing it, I'm going through Nehemiah, so that you can see how Nehemiah has tied into it as well. Obviously, the prayer thing came from Nehemiah as well. Right. Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to build the wall. We are going back to Chertsey to worship but it's churchy the whole, you know, to reach the whole area, um, to have a presence within the community, all right, as we did years ago. Now, Adrian Horner, Horner was um, a leader who came to this church and he had, he, he had a few prophecies and things. I'm going to using him and, and other people for this. Um, and it says, I just felt that God wanted to take the church back to some of the refreshing and roots that were right at the start of the church, right in the early days, okay? Remember that, some people that were there right at the beginning can remember that. Some of you might not have been there at the beginning, but some of you were and will remember that. Secondly, Nehemiah's prayer. At the end, he asked for success and for God to grant him favor with the king. We have had God's favor yes. upon us. We have purchased that building, it's been renovated, we're getting a team together. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have a debt. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, Carly. You need to go on to the next one. Um, and Adrian said, I just see such grace and favor and his delight. He made you and he sings over you. And I just see this is a time of fresh springs being dug and dug open again. All right. Now we're on... This one's fine. Encourages people to work on the wall in Nehemiah 2.17. And together, we're all from, they were all from different backgrounds. They all had different occupations. We're encouraged to work as a team to support each other. And, and Adrian said again, actually, God's hand is upon this church. But God's, um, he's on others as well, but God's hand is on. And I just want to invite you Will you give yourself wholeheartedly to these leaders? Their vision, God's vision in them, God's church isn't just to attend. God is painting a masterpiece. And you will be part of it, as I said earlier. His invitation. Then, as we go through Nehemiah a bit further, it was opposition to the rebuilding of, of um, the wall. Again, Nehemiah prayed. Um, Half the people worked on the wall and the other half were equipped with spears and shields. In, within Beacon, we've had a few hassles. And I'm not going to hide that. We have, as a church, had a few hassles to do with the building, to do with lots of other things. And as a church, we've had an had attack on individual people within the church as well. Some people have been hurt. But as a church, we have prayed 
And many have stood in the gap with those that have been hurt. And we've helped those who've been in, in difficulties. Now, Vic, um, when he came some time ago, Vic Everett from the Shepparton Church, gave us this prophecy, which some of you I know responded to at the time. I can see this game of football going on, and you got injured, and you got injured, and it wasn't fair. It was a really bad tackle, and you got injured, and you thought, I'm going to hang up my boots, not going to risk. The truth is that you're now healed, you're now well again, you're now strong enough, and you're missing out on the game. You're missing out of the game of life. Chapter 5 in Nehemiah talks about helping the poor and feeding the poor. I haven't got a prophecy about that, but we do that in Food Bank, where we reach areas of Egham, Adelston, Chertsey. Completion of the wall, chapter 6 to 8, Nehemiah then had to bring a sense of community and unity. All right? Um, so what he did, he assembled everyone, and they all prayed, and they all read the word, and they all sang, and they also included the women and children, which often were not included in things like that. They were all included. Nobody was excluded. So young people, you're not excluded, all right? You're important as well. Um, Beacon, we're ready to move on um, into and to be used in various ways. We're, we're, we're ready for that. I think we're going to go into that area. We're going to move to, to this place. But we're going to have a new wineskin, I think. I just felt God say to us, this is not on there, but we're going to have a new wineskin. All right? Now, Vic, continuing on that prophecy, says, your team actually needs you. But I've got space in my team for you. I've got space. Don't just sit around. Don't just hang about. I need you in my team. I've called you to be part of my team. I need you. And then um, Adrian also had, God's church isn't something to attend. God is painting a masterpiece, and you're going to be part of it. We've already had that one. Now, his wife, Corrine, when she came, um, she... She likened us to a wooden bridge to start with. But then it goes on to say, um, God wants to make us into a super highway and to take uh, a lot more of the weight. In order for this to happen, he will strengthen the leaders and every member must play a part in the process of encouragement because we are to be like a suspension bridge with leaders as the main pillars and the congregation as the supporting rods. Together, we take whatever God sends. Well, that's really important that we can do that. Um, and he also reminded uh, Prosper, who came, reminded us about Acts 3 to 1, 10, where Peter, Peter's outside the temple and he prays for the man to walk. And he says, Beacon Church should be a place where we minister to the community from the overflow of the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray for more of him, not just enough to get by, but enough to share liberally so that we feel the love of the Father oozing out of us and change our thinking from surviving to thriving, restoring hope and life to those who need. And he goes on to say, it's all about community, Adrian, um, to create space, and just invite you as you partner with God to be creating space for God and you to meet. Pradeep also had a word, which was 
um, about the beacon. And sorry, I've called you to be a light to the nations. I'm lighting you to bring joy and my grace and, and my message to the nations. Right, I've only used parts of those prophecies. Now, I, I want to say I did try really hard not to take them out of context. I checked them with keys. I said, am I taking this out of context? Is this right? If you want the complete um, copies of those prophecies, then I know Sarah will... Um, quite happily send them to you or, or give you a copy of them from the thing. There are other prophecies which are really encouraging prophecies about um, what God wants to do in Chertsey um, in terms of uh, there's um, for an, if you can go to the end of these, right at the end, Keith will show you where they are, Kyla. Um, Adrian said, actually, there was stuff that they were carrying that God's, the people that were in, that were, no, I'm getting myself muddled. Start again. When Adrian spoke on one of these prophecies, he said that the people that had originally been in church, the, was carrying stuff in their hearts that he wants to awaken again. And one of those is community. All right, he wants to awaken community. God wants to awaken and refresh and enlarge community. And I just don't mean Christians connecting. I believe it's time for you in your community connections to know multiplication. And God says this is going to be a season of fruitfulness. All right. Um, I'm not going to go through all of those, but just to say to you, <clears throat> there are a list of these, which again, I know Sarah can give you. I can, um, am I booming a bit? Um, no, I sound. Um, Sarah can give those. I might come back to those afterwards if we have time, but I want to move on to the second point that I felt was coming out from Nehemiah, when I get my notes in the right order, and that was about community. Excuse me a second. Once Nehemiah had finished the war and won the battle, as I said earlier on, he had to form the people into a loving community. He brought all the people together, as we said, um, the women, and that included the women and the children, and he brought them to listen to Ezra, reading from the book of the law. He encouraged them to wor worship, pray, and eat together. You know, they were united in one purpose. They all wanted to do the same thing. They were united in one purpose. Now, Corrine Horner, um, in the prophecy of in 28th of February, said, he isn't in a rush to move into the next thing. He's going to take his time with you because tender is his heart towards you. And I just had that song, that old song running through my mind of, Lord, you have my heart and I will search for yours. And I just think, made that, in a sense, your song. Lord, you have my heart as an individual, as a body, and we search for yours. And it's just that, in a sense, of that verse in Matthew 23, 
when Jesus is talking about Jerusalem. But he's still saying that he wanted to gather people like a hen gathers the chicks under his wing. And that's what he wants to do with you. Tender is his heart towards you. He will gather you and protect you. All right, that's a word that we've had. Another word for this. Now, we, previously, we've just looked at other prophecies um, telling us to be in a team where everyone was involved. I need you in my team, it said. I've called you to be part of my team. I need you. And also, where God wanted to make us into a superhighway. In order for this to happen, um, he will strengthen the leaders and, ev- and every member must play a part of that in the process. That's what, what was said. Now, I haven't really got time to look at Paul 1, um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, where he's talking about us being the body of Christ. All right? But verse 27, I'm going to pick out, says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. All right? We're all part of that body of Christ. And that's what God's calling us to be. Nehemiah, when he started the community, the idea of bringing the community, he was very wise. It was a wise thing to do. As often, when we've gone through a battle, we've worked alongside each other, we've helped each other, we've stood in the gap for people. When we get through it and things seem to calm down, that is often when we start getting problems. All right? Little things come in and niggle us. All right? We're not sort of battling with the common enemy, but we're battling with the enemy that sort of comes and says things to us. We start seeing little flaws in each other. We start criticizing. We start gossiping, maybe. That's not condemning anybody, by the way. I'm not condemning anybody. It might be like one of the um, people on the wall saying to um, somebody else, oh, you didn't lay that brook very well, did you? You know, oh, you dropped my, you know, you left your tools lying around or something like this. Now, our church can and be, can be and is, a loving community. Visitors have said that and they felt welcome. However, there are times when we don't feel part of it, when we want to step back and it could be for different reasons. Right? I know that I've particularly experienced that where I thought, I, I don't want to be part of this, I want to step back, I don't want any more to do with it. And what I'm actually doing was disqualifying myself. All right? There were times, and I think sometimes you can feel really lonely. You can be in a church, but you can feel really lonely. I know there are people amongst us that do have that. They can feel really lonely. I think sometimes Catalyst is the hardest place to be because you've got all these people that seem to be getting on really well and everything else, and you can be standing back and you can thinking, I don't fit in here. I don't feel part of it sometimes. You can feel lonely. I know I felt that. It doesn't happen to be everybody. That's just me, and I'm just being honest here and open. I know there have been times when I felt lonely. I felt lonely in this church at times. But what I'm doing is actually disqualifying myself as well. Um, it's like somebody saying, well, I'm a foot, 
and I'm part of the body, I'm a foot. No one notices me. What, what we mean is, I'm no problem to unity, really, because I'm a nobody. But actually, we disqualify. We bring disunity when we adopt that attitude. Because a dead member is disunited from the living body, therefore frustrating the grace of God in the whole. When we get to that stage, we can take a seat back and sit back. And gradually, we can drift into becoming mere spectators, uninvolved in the battle. We sort of sit on the terraces, really, can't we? And can often find we're being tempted to criticise, since we can easily observe other people's um, errors. All right, we can often do that. Paul encourages, encourages us to be united by finding our place in the body and therefore be thoroughly fulfilled. All right. And I just want to encourage us not to judge others if we can. You know, don't judge if you can. I try really hard not to do that. That's why I'm saying to people, I'm not putting you under condemnation. <laughs> now, when I, was, um, when I was a children's worker, um, when I was leading children's work some time ago, I had a major blow-up with somebody in the group. My immediate reaction was, because I was hurt, I don't really want to do this work anymore. I'm no good at it. They don't think anything of me. I'm no good. I'm rubbish. You know, all the negative things that come piling in. So I started to pull back. I disqualified myself, not only from the children's work, but from other things in the church where I thought I wasn't really needed anymore. I was listening to lies, actually. I was letting lies take control. Which was causing me to get further and further and further away from people. And I was becoming vulnerable, I was becoming lonely, and I was causing disunity. I, I know I can be critical of others, and I have to work on that. The situation was resolved when we met with an elder, or I met with an elder, and discussed the issues with them and this other person. However, I still had to forgive the person, although I being terribly hurt and felt terribly hurt, I still had to forgive. If we don't forgive, we again, we, print, we prevent true unity. Also, we should learn to excel in forgiveness. As if we're Christians, we know the forgiveness we have through Jesus. If I hadn't assorted help in this, I could have allowed myself to become under the fear of confrontation, all right, with this person. I could have tried avoiding them like mad. And I would have become more and more vulnerable and been open for the devil to cause more criticism, to cause gossip. All right, fear of confrontation 
can be overcome when we find the love and courage to, comfort, to, to confront others. Okay? Maybe with somebody as a mediator, if you need that. If we're going to become a true community or family, we have to find grace to speak into one another's lives and overcome the fear of being rejected. Now, the opposite of disqualifying yourself, putting yourself down and whatever, is self-importance. All right? That you can be so full of yourselves, so full of what's got, you know, and I can do this, I can do that, and I don't need them, I'm whatever. This can frustrate unity as well. As you, when you're all like that, you don't actually listen to people. All right? You don't listen. And that again causes a lack of unity amongst people. If someone's very much like um, a stickler for the rules, I think it's called, a stickler for the rules, um, and they condemn those things you do, all right? Again, this can cause disunity. Now, I can prove this, because I know <laughs> when I'm a passenger in the car and Keith is driving, some other women might relate to this one, and he's going past the speed limit and he's going too fast, and I say, Keith, do you see the speed limit? <laughs> Keith, you're going too fast. Um, it... He hates it, actually, and it actually causes a lot of disunity, all right? We argue about it, you know, and it, and it takes a little while, actually, to get over it. I've got to learn to keep my mouth shut, actually, in the car. That's what God's told me, keep your mouth shut sometimes. But I said, I only do it because there's a speed camera coming up, you know. You know that reason you do that? <clears throat> I'm sure some of you can, um, can relate to that. Do we do this as a church? Not to speak him a bit, but do we do this as a church? Do we think, oh, we're right and we've got rules and we stick to that? We're told we shouldn't judge others. We need to remember God treasures, treasures each one of us for our uniqueness, okay? But he doesn't like our independence. Okay, he doesn't like our independence. Are you, we sang a song, I think, um, that, a, a while back that was, it was talking about how we were beforehand and how God changed us, remember? Are you always asking for things to be explained or are you continually defensive, you're defending yourself all the time and you're aloof? Or, um, and are you unwilling to become totally involved? Because all those things, you know, can cause disunity. For Nehemiah, all the people gathered as one man. To maintain this unity will require all our energies. But this is what the Lord Jesus expects. Paul pleaded with the Ephesians to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I've got time to read that. Yeah, I have got time to read that. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
there is one body and one spirit. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up into the love as each part does its work. Now, from the words God has given us as a church, he wants us all to be united and work as a community. As through this, we're going to bless the wider community. All right? We're going to be like a, a, we're going to be what our name is, a beacon to them. All right? A light to them. Is there anything in your life which is causing disunity, that you know is causing disunity within the church? What I want us to do is to have a, a, a time of afterwards, there'll be a time of prayer afterwards, where if there is things that you want or know that you want prayer for, it could be any of the ones I've said, you disqualify yourself. You've listened to lies, you've disqualified yourself, so you're sitting back, just like in the football team. You've got to pick up your boots and get involved again. Is it unforgiveness? Maybe which is associated with disappointment and hurt. Is it a fear of confronting to sort things out? Are you full of your own importance? Only you, you will know that. Are you a legalist and you're a stickler for the rules? Like, those are the things I've brought. I'm sure there's other things that cause disunity, but those are the ones I felt God sort of bring to me. All right? So, that's why I think I'm going to leave. I, there, as I said, there are, I don't think I've got time to go back to those other prophecies, so I'm going to leave that where it is. Um, I'm sorry it was a bit backwards and forwards and, and whatever, but I hope it made sense. Okay. Nathan.